Oh yes, oh yes. It is the precious blood of Jesus. Good two songs in there talking about that. And um, in recent years, a few decades back, there was a denomination trying to take the blood out of the hymns. And I'm glad that we are keeping the blood of Him in the hymns. Amen. This morning as we begin, I just wanted to share uh, a little bit of history, and there's actually a lot of history in what I have to say today, and hopefully it becomes very meaningful to you and affects the way you walk with Christ, uh, bringing light into your own life and light into our community. In France, there's a small village, um, it's mostly known for tourism now. But in this village are the remains of an old mansion in the mountain rocks, and it reveals a historical movement that affected all of Europe and later the world. All that remains of this mansion is a window with a Latin inscription. It's hard to see in the picture at the top, but it's post tenebras lux. Translated means in, our, in English, after darkness, light. This was adopted at this time, in that time period when this was done, as the motto for the Reformation. The Protestant Reformation was a movement, and Protestant meant they were protesting something. And so when we say we're Protestant today, the question is, what are we protesting? And I believe that we are still in protest. But this movement emerged out of the darkness of the Roman Catholic religion, it was a movement to reform the church, Protestant Reformation. They wanted to reform the church by returning to the Scriptures, the Bible, to the truth of God, and ultimately to return to a faith that is pure in Jesus Christ, in Christ alone. With that being said, we're going to jump right into the book of Romans. I have just a few verses to share here at the beginning that are significant historically significant in chapter 1. Now, this is going to be a challenge, but I recommend reading, if you haven't already, the entire book of Romans. Um, it is a theological, historical theological work by the Apostle Paul that talks about salvation, our need for God, His righteousness, our sinfulness, that we can be made whole and made holy, a righteous people who serve Him. So we're going to look at chapter 1 and then chapter 10. So right here at the beginning, Paul writes, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. And when we say gospel, I want you to know what that means. It means good news. I am not ashamed as a Christian of the good news of Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the dunamis. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first, it came to the Jews first, the message, and also now to the Greek, the whole world. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, some translations, the just, and here, the righteous shall live by faith. That we are a people of faith. Now, a part of this, and I don't want to go into a lot of it, but another verse I want to share this morning is from chapter 10. There's a whole passage here of Paul saying, how will they know unless someone goes and tells the people? And how will they hear unless someone preaches the word? And he says here, so faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. How do I even know about Jesus Christ? Someone has shared the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation. It is how we even have faith. I have a, um, a sign or a picture in my office that there was a person that used to be a part of the church made me. And it is Romans 10, 17. 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, that we must hear his word, that his word is still important for us today. Let's pray together, church. Father in heaven, we thank you for this moment in time that is historical. We thank you for the men and women throughout the last 2,000 years who are willing to preach the good news, who are willing to die and suffer for the faith, who brought the word of Christ to us. We thank you for those who have preached the good news that we might believe, and I pray today that we are renewed in the faith, that we are returning to the words of Christ that we are having this own reformation in our own hearts and lives because the protests still exist. We protest against the things that are not of God. We protest against those who would pull us away from the Word of God. And we have learned today that it is the power. It is how we even have faith. Bless your words as they go forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, church... This year has historical significance. We just celebrated 100 years as our church here in Casper. That is huge. But 400 years before this church was formed, um, something uh, uh, transformational happened in history that changed the church and world history. So I want to share a little bit about that with you this morning. And and I can tell that people kind of are, are drowned out when we talk about history a little bit. But I want you to follow me. We're going through this for a reason, and it's going to go somewhere. There's Reformation history that God has used as this man named Martin Luther to restore light to the church. Very important because this was a dark time in history. But for the most part, the church, since the crucifixion, since Jesus established the church, was one universal church for almost a thousand years. So the church is, is unified for the most part until about A.D. 1054, and the church splits into two, into East and West, Roman uh, Catholic Church in the West and Eastern Orthodox. But still, it was pretty much one church in the West for about 500 more years. Essentially, it still was one until October 31st, 1517. Now, the way it has come together that October 31st lands here on Sunday today, and we would call this Reformation Sunday, even though all the little kids, you like to say, yay, Halloween. And tomorrow, all the parents say, yay, the kids are home. (laughs) So here it is, October 31st, this day, 500 and a few years ago, Martin Luther, a German monk who was a professor here in Germany, wrote out a list of 95 things to debate concerning the Catholic Church. We know this today as the 95 Thesis. Now this is important because the church had become dark. Things were twisted and it actually was a dark time. It was the dark ages for a reason. There was famines. There was plagues. They would still do ministry through the plagues. It was encroaching Muslims coming into the country. And the papacy, the the Roman Catholic Church, was very dark during this time. But Luther nailed this 95 thesis to the doors of the Wittenberg Castle Church in Germany. He is hoping to have a scholarly debate concerning things that he questioned concerning the, the Roman Catholic Church. And it went viral before viral was even popular. God had worked it out that the Gutenberg press would be created during this time. Somebody grabs it down, prints it. Within weeks, it is spread across all the known world there. Someone took it and had printed it, and it came to the emperor, and it had come to the pope. And at this time, if the Catholic Church considered you a heretic, not based on biblical theology, but rather what they considered to be Christian or not, you would be put to death. 
People were drowned throughout history. They were burned at the stake and condemned as a heretic. But Luther becomes famous through this because the opposition, it was a moment in time where people were ready for this opposition. But his life is at risk for opposing some things that are unbiblical in the Roman Catholic Church. A writing is sent out by Pope Leo X and pointing out the errors of Luther's 95 Thesis and other writings that had been passed around. And Luther is summoned to a formal assembly to be questioned about these things. Now, a man not long before Luther, named John Huss, had already been preaching the same things, and he was condemned and burned at the stake, even though he was promised safe passage to being questioned. And so, however, Martin Luther is protected by the elector in this region. It's just the perfect moment in time where the people are standing up for their ministers. The elector in this region was Prince Frederick the Wise. Luther agrees in 1521, so in 1517 he nails us down, time is passing in 1521, they hold what is known as the Diet of Worms. Now for those who are into diets, we're not talking about some weird worm protein diet. A diet is assembly where they're going to question people. The place was known as Worms in in Germany, uh, which would be this formal imperial deliberation. Basically, they have brought Luther here to question and have him recant. If he doesn't recant, they have a plan to have him condemned and killed. But God moved in such a way, and, and, and you could imagine Luther is struggling through this. And some of the movies always show him bold, standing up and saying, I'm not going to recant, but I believe it was very quiet. It wasn't like this, but the people were backing Luther, and at the end of this deliberation, this is what Luther says. Unless I am convinced by the testimony of Scriptures or by clear reason, for I do not trust either the Pope or in councils alone, since it is well known that they have often erred and contradicted themselves. This man is a historian. He has gone through the writings. He sees the contradictions. I am bound by Scriptures I have quoted, and my conscience is captive to the Word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything, since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience, May God help me. Amen. Now, they wanted to kill him at this point. But Frederick the Wise steps in and reminds them that they had promised safe passage to Luther to and from the assembly. An edict is made by the emperor that Luther is a notorious heretic. So this man who started what we would call the the Protestant Reformation has been condemned by by the emperor as a notorious heretic and should be apprehended and arrested to face punishment, and that means they want to kill him. So Luther is leaving the assembly. People are cheering because they're glad there's this pushback against the Roman Catholic Church. And at this moment in time, he is actually kidnapped. But luckily, it was by a group sent by Frederick the Wise. He is hidden for nearly a year in a castle. So to protect his life, uh, the, 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 the prince there had him kidnapped and it made it, it made it seem to the world that he was kidnapped and killed, but they hid him in this castle. We have a picture of the castle that still remains today in Wartburg. They did this for his protection under the guise of Junker George. He would grow out a beard. He would dress as a knight. And during this time, something significant happens in history. He begins to translate the Latin New Testament into German. 
So at that time, at one time, the, we wanted the Word of God translated into people's languages and cultures, and then the Catholic Church stopped that. They said the only language should be Latin. They didn't want it to be translated into, if you did, you would be put to death. And during this time, he begins to translate the New Testament into German, into actually the common language. He would go on to in, uh, translate the entire Bible by 1738, Old and New Testament. Because of this, all of the world would radically change, bringing it out of the dark ages, and the Reformation restored light to the church of God. Now that's the history part of that. I want to get into some of the theology of what's taken place. Three major things that took place in the Reformation. The first thing is justification by faith. Now, Romans here, again, Paul writes, For it is the righteousness of God, it is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous or the just shall live by faith. Now, this is significant because the Catholic Church was pushing more for works. They were blinded by works. Works are still important. In fact, the Catholic Church believed in justification by faith. But it had been hidden. It wasn't taught anymore. So when we're restoring this, we're bringing light from the darkness back to the church. Now, they believed in this, but they had abused it to their own advantage for money, and for power and for manipulation. This is true. This is not just Protestants complaining about the Catholic Church. These things literally were happening in history. Church, our God sent His Son into the world to die for the sins of the world that we may repent and be saved. He was crucified. He literally died. He was buried. He resurrected. He did all this for us. He did this for you and He did this for me. He has done this for the world that you may be saved and have His eternal life. And we do this by faith. It is by the grace of God alone that you are saved, but we believe by faith in what Christ has done. Therefore, you are made right with God by faith. You are justified by faith. You cannot work for this. There's not enough good that you can do. There are people in this world that think they're good enough to go before God. And I, the, the more I meet the people that say, I am good enough, the more I realize they are very wicked people. The people that work hard and think they are good enough, they still get drunk, they're still involved in pornography, they still do evil things, but they tell people they are good enough. There's nothing that you can do to get into God's glory except by His grace alone and faith alone. You are made right with God by faith. The just shall live by faith. Now, there's also an overcorrection that has happened in churches. There are some positive things that has happened in the Protestant Reformation. There are some bad things that has happened, some overcorrections, where people today have what I would call a setting faith. Not a saving faith, but they sit around and they talk about their faith. There's churches that still meet. I have faith in God. I am saved. I, I love Him. I am, am good enough in that. But they don't live out their faith. That's why I emphasize works it is faith. I believe in Christ. I am not saved by works, but now I work and I serve to please Him. Church, we are not saved by works, but we are saved by grace through faith to do good works. And as Luther said years ago, this is great. I love this. It's not on the screen. God does not need your good works. He doesn't, but your neighbor does. And the point is, so when we work and do good works, it is for others. It is not for God. The second thing I want you to see that happened in Protestant Reformation, typically I will talk about the priesthood of the believer. Uh, if you would scroll forward one there, Ethan, what I really see and I would identify that is also happening is opposition to ministry abuse. 
This was huge during this time. And Jesus actually said this in the Gospel of Mark. You leave. He's talking to the Sadducees. He's talking to the Pharisees. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. Now, there are good traditions in church history. Paul tells us that we are to teach the traditions that were passed down to us. And there's man-made traditions that are evil. And every family has traditions, and every church has traditions. Your family may do certain things for Christmas that other families don't do. I would say those are good traditions. It is okay. In churches, the way we meet, the way we do ministry are different kinds of traditions. They may not necessarily have been told in Scripture for us to do that, but this is the way we celebrate God. But what happened is they were forcing certain traditions that were not biblical. So when Luther is restoring to the Word of God, he's saying, you're telling us some things that are not even in the Scriptures. One of the reasons Luther wrote the 95 Thesis was to deal with the misuse of what was known as indulgences. Say that with me today. Indulgences. This was a thing that was used to reduce the amount of punishment one has to undergo for sins. Now, the Catholic Church believed that you were to go through purgatory, you were to go through suffering to purify you as you were going to heaven. Now, originally, to receive an indulgence, you would pray, you would um, be, work out penance, or you would do a good work. That is how you received an indulgence for yourself or for family members. Over time, they were used to raise money for good causes, but then they became completely twisted. People paid money to release family members from purgatory even after death by the authority of church. So, if you had a family member, you know good and well they didn't believe in Jesus Christ. They've gone to hell. Now you can buy them out of hell. Now, this misuse is even deeper. It was in the Catholic Church. People were buying ministry positions. They were buying power with money. But this ultimately, uh, they were also using these indulgences to raise money. It was a building campaign to build St. Peter's Church in Rome. Now, one of the points, I have it here on the screen I want to share with you, just one of the 95. We're not going to go through all 95 in the complaint form here. But number 27, I want to point out. Luther writes this, They preach only human doctrines, who say that as soon as the money clinks in the money chest, the soul flies out of purgatory. I have a problem with this, Luther is saying. I want to debate it. He didn't actually want to cause a split in the church. He wanted to debate these issues, have a theological debate, so we could resolve the problem to reform the church. So Luther was referring to one of Rome's famous fundraisers who had come through Germany, who was an enemy. Luther did not like this guy named John Tetzel. We have a picture of him. Isn't that great? They had iPhones back then. They captured a picture of John Tetzel here. And he had a little jingle as he went around from town to town raising money for the Catholic Church. As soon as the gold in the casket rings, the rescued soul to heaven springs. You're buying people out of purgatory and hell. Now, ministry abuse was nothing new to the church. It was abused during the time of Christ. We know that Jesus came and cleansed the temple. He flipped the tables. He was swinging a whip because they were abusing and doing the same thing. People would bring an offering for the time of the Passover and the, the, the priest would look at it and say, oh, that's, it's not a perfect dove. You have to buy one of ours or a lamb. And they would upcharge. And they would have a lot of money. That's why Jesus flipped those tables. The overcorrection today, church, is that because of some abuses, people don't give to the church at all. Like we see the guys on TV, there are ministers on TV that are worth millions of dollars. I looked up one guy's net worth, and it's worth more than five 
popular actors. He's worth, as a, a minister, he's worth $350 million. And so it is abused. But the problem, there's often an overcorrection because there is some ministry abuse, then we don't trust in any ministry, and then a lot of people don't give to the church at all. Even so, the Reformation brought light to these dark issues. This is important in history that Luther is shining light into these problems, and people in the culture recognize it as well, and they're pushing back. The third thing I want you to see, and final thing, is sola scriptura. Romans 10.17, if you would scroll forward, thank you. Uh, here, Paul writes, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. It is not by works that you are saved. It is by the word of God. The Reformation at the end of the day, the core of it was this battle cry, sola scriptura. It is scripture alone that I will be convicted by. So at the end of the day, we do want, we want pastors to have ministry authority as a shepherd. But if I told you to do something and you were looking up in the Scripture and said, wait a second here, I don't know that, that I should be doing those things, there would be a problem. So they started returning to the Scripture and saying, no, 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 unless it is in the Word of God, I am not doing it. And this was an uproar because it removed the power of the papacy of the Pope in the Roman Catholic Church. So Scripture alone. Now there was five solas, I don't have them all written here. One on top of Scripture alone, it was by grace alone that you are saved. By Christ alone. And um, for His glory alone. Through faith alone. And it is by the Scriptures alone. Now this became, as I said, the battle cry of the Protestant Reformation uh, because the Scriptures were misused. And as you saw in what Luther said, there's been too many contradictions. I'm not trusting these popes anymore unless I am convicted by this and, and I'm held captive by the Word of God. Unless the, God moves me to these things, I cannot and will not recant of these things that I believe. The Reformers believed in the Scripture. They must govern our church traditions and interpretations which are themselves held to be subject to the Scriptures. And that's important. So that brings authority back to the Word of God. Our culture has kind of relegated this and put it to the side. I saw a post recently by a young man who said, we are not biblical Christians, we are just Christians. And I was reading that and thinking about what he was saying, and I read what he said, and the whole objective is to remove this. If you remove this, what is Christianity? If you remove this, what is church? We are to be biblical the Holy Writ is to govern our lives. We are to be held subject to the Scriptures. All church traditions, creeds, and teachings must be in unity with the teachings of Scripture as the divinely inspired Word of God. This was a huge returning to the truth of God. His Word is a lamp into our feet, a light into our path. It is by His words that we even know of Jesus Christ and are saved. God's Word is sharper than any two-edged sword. You know that. Hebrews 4.12 James said to receive with meekness the Word of God which is able to save your soul. The Word of God has the power to save your soul. It is God's Word that we learn more about Him and that we learn to live for Him. It's why once a month we recite uh, 1 Timothy 3.16 that all Scripture is breathed out by God. It is beneficial to teach you what? What is true. To reveal what is wrong in your life that we may live holy lives. And this was so important to those of the Reformation that they had an expression actually even deeper than sola scriptura. It was 
scriptura, scripturum interpreter, which means let Scripture interpret Scripture. So it's not just, hey, I read a few verses and say, hey, this is my thing. It's actually, I've read this verse, but how does this coincide with everything else? And that we're letting the Scripture of God interpret it rather than just a person saying, I believe this and this is the interpretation. And church, all 66 books are inspired by God. Not just one book, not just one verse. There is this holistic thing that we believe as Christians. Now sadly, there's an overcorrection um, today that more people have the Bible more than ever. And because of this, this is a negative ramification of the Protestant Reformation, is that now people say, all I need is God's Word, and I'll sit in my home, and I'll be a Christian. And so they don't have the interpretation of other godly believers, and God gifting people to be teachers in the church, and they separate themselves from the body of Christ, and this is not what Luther taught at all. Reformers made great sacrifices for us so that we could have the Scriptures today. Luther spent almost a year hiding in a castle so he could translate Latin to German for the people in Germany. And over time, it would be translated in English for us. And over time, you have many, many uh, translations now on the Version Bible that anybody could have at any given moment. The point is, is that people lived and died and suffered so we could have sola scriptura, so we could have the Word of Christ. Church, many great things have come out of the Protestant Reformation. Justification by faith, a pushback against ministry abuses, and a returning to the Scriptures of God. Now, the Reformation brought much light to the church that has affected so many. Uh, It is my soul's prayer that light is returning to your life, that light returns to our churches, and that light returns to our culture through our churches as we continue the mission. I have a few more minutes here, and I I have something I wanted to write down. Now, how does all this relate to us today? So 500 years ago, 1517, Martin Luther nails his thesis on the castle church door in Wittenberg. 1521, he's called to the Diet of Worms, and they want to have him put to death. He escapes. He He doesn't recant. And that year, he begins to translate the New Testament into German, and then ultimately the entire uh, Bible by 1738, or 1538. 200 years after that, something significant happens in church history. John Wesley has a bad experience in Savannah, Georgia. He leaves by ship. Somebody had called him to a duel to defend the honor of their daughter. He's probably going to face death. He slips out by night. He's in a ship on the way back to England, and there's a storm on the ship, and it's shaking and scares him to death. He feels like he has failed in ministry. But there's a group of people on this ship, these German Moravians. They begin singing during the storm. They have joy. And John Wesley looks and he says, they have something I don't have. I'm struggling here. Well, they get back to London and he follows them to this Aldersgate Street place that they met. These Moravians go in there, these German Moravians. And he sets in reluctantly in this service. And they begin to read the minister there from the preface of the book of Romans, translated into German by Luther. It is the preface, an introduction to the book of Romans, written by Luther. While they are reading the introduction, John Wesley says this, In the evening, I went 
I went very unwillingly to this church meeting in Aldersgate Street. So the same as the rest of us. Unwillingly, I went to this church service where one was reading Luther's preface to the epistle of Romans. While he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. Something was different as I heard the word of God. I felt I didn't trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, or I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given to me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. How powerful this moment in history that would change the life of John Wesley forever just by reading the introduction to Romans by Luther about justification by faith alone that he would have an assurance of his salvation. He goes and tells others what he experienced and that would spark the John Wesley revival that happened that changed the world in England and even in America for us. And we know of John Wesley today because of this and he is one of our theological fathers. And my prayer is that your heart heart would be strangely warm. That this holy God is willing to save people who deserve death, and He rescues us by His grace, trusting in Him by faith alone. Now church, we began with the inscription, post tenebras lux. Now we still do a tenebras service, tenebrae service today. Jay leads one every year uh, on Thursday or, or Friday. Because of the darkness. They show the dark time. But the point is, is that this darkness, light has returned. And that is our calling as Christians. That is our calling and the mission of this church is to restore light to our life, to our homes, to the church, to keep the light burning bright, and to spread the light into our community. We are a missional church. It is our mission to reach Casper with this good news. And I want you to know these churches that are departing from the Scriptures, they are not winning people to Jesus Christ. They may be winning people to the cult, they may be winning people to the club, but we're not seeing life transformation. We have the good news of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God that saves, and we need to be preaching it. Amen? I want us to experience revival, to be equipped to be the saints God has called us to be, to advance the mission in our community, to connect with people, to go out of your way, make your life uncomfortable, that people can be saved, that we bring in this harvest to God. Amen? All right, let's close in prayer today. Father, we, we bless Your holy name. You are the mighty God who saves. And Lord, we thank You for sending Your Son, Jesus Christ, Your only begotten Son, into the world, that we might not perish, but have everlasting life. And Lord, I pray we take that good news, that we share it with other people, that we live it in our own life and in our homes and in this community and in the church, Lord, that we are radically transformed by this movement. Lord, we thank you that light has come after darkness. And Lord, our culture is trying to go back to the darkness. Many churches are already back in the darkness, but I pray that we fight the good fight of faith, that we do not turn away from your good news, from your word, from the truth of God, that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, by Christ alone, for your glory alone forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. And church, um, be blessed by God. Go in grace and peace. You are dismissed.